professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael, the bad guy, Temple. And I am sensational Shane Britton. Oh, nice. Welcome to episode 86, Royal Rumble 1993. Rumble in Cali. Mm, yes. This was the sixth annual Rumble produced by the WWF. It would take place on January 24th, 1993, at the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California, with an attendance of 16,000 people. That's a lot of people, especially compared to our last show. (laughs) Just a few. Not knocking them, but... Handful. Handful. Yeah, we haven't, like, WWF doesn't party hard in California, or hasn't really. This is the first time. Yeah, and Sacramento of all places. I didn't even go to like. I mean, I know it's the capital, well, but I've been to Sacramento. Not the first time because they were in L.A. for WrestleMania. Okay, yeah, I was going to say yeah. Well, didn't they? Weren't they in California too for seven? Because they had to switch arenas. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So we've been there twice before for WrestleMania. Yeah, it's just not. But this not, is the not first super, non-WrestleMania. Yeah, yes. not super common. And Sac- like Sacramento, Sacramento so, sucks. I've been there. I lived there. Never sucks. been there. I don't know of any reason why I would ever want to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's not a desirable place. But what is desirable? Um, some Californian food. Oh, yes. I was going to say wrestling. Agreed. I mean, both things oh. are great. <laughs> I'm going to take that as my cue to uh, discuss what is the latest menu offering from Shane's culinary trip around the world. Yes, this time in California... I decided to try and find something Californian here in Oklahoma. Michael threw out some great suggestions of burritos filled with french fries, yes. which I've had those. That's Southern, Southern California, though. So next time we go to L.A., we'll, okay. we'll, then we'll ruin ourselves with 4,000-calorie burritos. <laughs> I'm all about that. So, yeah, California. I, uh, I've been there a few times. Uh, I've never been to Sacramento, though, so I... Hopped on the old Googles and said, what foods is Sacramento known for? I don't know. And I was born there. We want something that people actually have to search out for. So I uh, kept looking through my list, and they were talking about uh, California-style pizza and lots of hipsters. So California have me... a style of pizza? I don't, yeah. I mean, there's a whole kitchen. Yes. California you know, it's funny that the only kitchen. time I've been to a California pizza kitchen actual like restaurant was when I was a kid, we went to Hawaii once, and I ate at a California pizza kitchen in Hawaii, even though I lived in California at the time, and it was the first time I ever ate at a California pizza kitchen. I wish, <laughs> I wish my boy Wolfgang Puck still had a, uh, a restaurant here in Oklahoma, because I would have gone to Tulsa and All the brought way to back Tulsa. some of their, their tasty pizzas, because, I mean, that's a, a California-style pizza there, kind of the artisanal-style more of a personal sized pizza that you can share with others, but you don't look like a, a complete fool for eating it yourself. Loaded with lots of fresh toppings, uh, different from what you can find at a lot of your, your typical Pizza Hut's, Domino's, uh, and whatnot. So I went to the, uh, the local 
hipster hangout, uh, or one of them, I should say, here in Oklahoma City uh, for their pizza, uh, Empire, the Empire Slice House, and got what is known as their figgy stardust. Hmm, that's uh, how you can tell that the hipster? Yeah, that you can use the H word, is if you name your food after anything from popular culture. Oh, yeah, and you, especially if it involves you know, David Bowie. So. Does that make us hipster? No, I'm, my name is Michael. I don't know. I think maybe the hip wrestling thing is past at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, dweebs like us. Okay. And here we be. But yes, the pizza. It is, again, Empire Slice House, known as the Figgy Stardust. Uh, It has the most hipster-esque toppings that I could find uh, (laughs) on the menu. It is a basil and almond pesto, some marinated mozzarella, uh, roasted chicken, some baked ham, and figs. Uh, I decided to make it a little bit extra by adding some balsamic drizzle to mine because I'm I'm extra like that. Empire Pizza is pretty tasty. Uh, This one isn't quite California style. They're actually New York style, but I figure, you know, it's it's the Royal Rumble. We need enough to feed the Royal Army. So I bought this big-ass monstrous New York style pizza to represent California with all of their hipster toppings on it. Figs for all. Exactly. All for figs and figs for... You know what I like about figs? When you cut them, you know, slice them like that, they kind of look, I don't know, alien because of all the little seeds inside of them. A little bit. That's fun. Well, while these two gentlemen are taking a bite of their delicious pizza, I'm going to tell you about something that happened right around the same time as the Royal Rumble. Michael Jackson would play the halftime show of Super Bowl twenty-seven, marking the first time in Super Bowl history that viewership would actually increase between the halves. How many times has that happened since then? Uh, probably quite a few. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Because this is so basically... In 93, like, Michael the, Jackson doesn't get any bigger than that. This is the beginning of the, like, the halftime show is a... Spectacle. Spectacle. Yeah, it's not um, a marching band. It's yeah. like, oh, it's Michael Jackson. We can't... After this, we can't go back to that. Yeah. It is an officially a... Uh... Uh, a pop concert. It's an now. event, yeah. It's like it's an attraction. I mean, I have the last couple of years have not given a care about the football game, but I have turned it on long enough to at least watch the halftime show. The halftime show. I think the last one that I caught was I was working at the time uh, was the Katy Perry one, and I was like, "Damn, this is a spectacle." Okay. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I. It's just a. I don't need a 30-minute concert that doesn't sound very good. You didn't watch the Jennifer Lopez Shakira show last year? No, but I'd much rather would have probably watched that. Probably King bigger. Shakira was better. Oh, I'm sure it was a better spectacle, but uh, I don't know. Ah. It's two for the price of one with uh, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Very true. Just saying, as far as as far as eye candy goes. Oh, her <sighs> voice is pretty terrible. I've never. But she's a real understood cutie. the. I've, honestly, I've never understood the hype behind either one of those. As, I mean, Jenny, Jenny from Black. Jenny I don't really Black, like I couldn't uh, get into any of their songs. Shakira, but they have I mean, nice faces. I mean, you get me wrong. They're both beautiful. They can, they have dance moves like crazy. But absolutely, uh, Shakira. Not saying they're not I've never. Not, she always just kind of sounds like she's. She does that. Have that weird, in a way. Yeah, weird yo. Exactly what I was gonna yeah, say. The, the weird yo. Yeah. It's kind of the same with like Christina Aguilera. She just goes on those runs that it's like, yeah, impressive, but not very listenable. Yeah, in 1998, I liked that. 2020, not, not, not so much. Not, yeah. It's like if Mariah Carey already did it and no one's going to do it smoother, back off. 
I mean, good on you for trying, but come on. And, you know, hey, thank you for inspiring them, Michael Jackson. Do you guys know who played in that game? I had to look it up because I couldn't remember which Super Bowl. Obviously, it was 27. But... You're asking uh, not a football guy, so I do not know. I'm not a football guy either, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Matthew, do you know? I read it, but I don't remember. I watched this game. But... It was a, yeah, I mean. It was Dallas Cowboys versus the Bills. Yeah, that's mm. right. And the Cowboys slaughtered them 52-17. Yeah. to 17. It is tied with Super Bowl 37 as the third highest scoring Super Bowl with 69 combined points. Nice. Ooh. Jesus. And on that note. Yeah, Michael, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the Michael Jackson halftime show is great. I've. Don't know if I've ever actually seen it, but looking at images of it, it's like, oh yeah, these are all iconic images of Michael Jackson that he also probably used in, you know, stadium tours at the time. Because it's got the, it's got like the bullet vest jacket and the flowy white, you know, uh, shirt with the wind machine. Mm-hmm. Make uh, that shot makes me think of. Uh, remember the song he did for Free Willy? Loved that song as a kid. Anytime I watched Free Willy as a kid, I made sure we didn't fast forward the Michael Jackson video because I liked the song so much. Medley's consisting of Jam with the beginning of Why did, You Want to Trip on Me. Did he finish with Black or White? Billie Jean and Black or White. I would say this is around, this is like when Black or White yeah, Black came or White out. Yeah, just come out. Yeah, because that music video was fucking huge. The I final. remember that as a kid in like elementary school. The finale featured an audience card stunt. A video montage showing Jackson participating in various humanitarian efforts around the world <laughs> and a choir of 3,500 local Los Angeles area children singing We Are the World. Oh, wow. Later joining Jackson as he sang his single Heal the World. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean... Brings a tear to my eye. Thank yeah. you about it. I don't have a whole <laughs> lot to say. It's, it's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Come on, guys. King of Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out what happened... At the Arco Arena. Marilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan welcome us as the logo comes on the screen. And they run down the card for us. And we head to our first match. I had chills up my spine just hearing Gorilla's voice. It's getting fewer and further between as of late. And I couldn't be more excited that he's here. That first match, the Beverly Brothers of Bo and Blake. You mean Bev 1 and Bev 2. Or you can call them that. <laughs> Versus the Steiner Brothers of Rick and Scott. And if you can't tell the Beverly Brothers apart, Bo is the one with no mustache. Mm. All right. I'll try and remember Just that. Future yeah, reference. future references. <laughs> I'm not sure how long they stick around, but uh, yeah. Steiners, I mean, if you're going to start a show, I mean, Steiner Brothers, Steiner Brothers are going to get it going. That's Definitely. Right. I do have to say, though, the Beverly Brothers music... Rocks harder than the Steiner Brothers. I think music I think we it's that about. other Steiner Brothers song that we like were kind of agreeing on recently that might be piped in where it's the weird clown music. Yeah, so definitely the weird clown music. Did you guys notice who the referee for this match was? Bill Alfonso. It was Bill. He's Alfonso. got a face you can't miss. Good eye. He feels like he shows up all over the place, but like you, he's unmistakable. I mean, this is the first time I think I've seen him in WWF. Yeah. Did, did the Steiners bring him with him? Uh, he might have. Do you think he had a whistle <laughs> tucked in under his shirt? Probably. So this match gets going with Scott and Bo starting it off with Steiner working him over, which Beverly is complaining that he is pulling his tights, which... Sure. Sure. 
Bo comes back, slamming Scott down to the mat, only for Steiner to retaliate with a tilt-a-whirl slam, Ooh. sending Bo out for a breather. Blake entices Rick to tag in and slams his head into a turnbuckle, hits a power slam, but misses a clothesline, goes for a leapfrog, only for Steiner to catch him and deliver a power slam of his own. This is what the Steiners uh, are here to do. Suplex the shit at you. Slam the shit at you and do it quickly. Scott with a bear hug, followed by a belly-to-belly suplex, looks to hit the tiger driver, but Bo runs in with a clothesline to take down Steiner. Like a good tag boy. A good, a good Beverly brother. That's right. The Beverlys begin to work on Scott's back with multiple backbreakers, double axe handles, diving headbutts and forearms. Scott gets stuck in the corner, and Blake is strangling him with the tag rope. I love that spot. And then Bo hits a double underhook suplex. Snapmare and Boston Crab by Blake, while Bo comes in with an elbow drop to stop Scott's escape. Blake goes for a vertical suplex, but Scott blocks and reverses, starts to crawl to his corner, but Bo stomps on Steiner's back to stop the tag. I love the him coming in and hitting him in the face while he was in a Boston Crab. <laughs> it was so, so it was just, yeah, so such a nasty, shitty thing to do. Continuing the attack with head slams into a turnbuckle, Irish whips hard into a corner. Scott's, Scott's taking it. Till Scott catches Bo telegraphing a back body drop. So he hits the tiger driver and makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. It was a it was a good hot tag, too. Executed well. Rick's in with a back body drop and a released German suplex to Blake. Mm. Steiner line to Bo, sets Blake up on the top rope, only for Bo to hit him from behind. The Beverly's then Irish whip Rick and go for a double clothesline, which he ducks and comes back off the ropes with multiple Steiner lines. Makes the cover, only for Bo to break it up, shoving Steiner back to the corner. Scott then rushes in, hitting Bo with mounted punches in a corner, when Blake comes from behind to put Steiner on his shoulders, allowing Bo to come off the top rope with a flying clothesline. But as he jumps, Scott ducks, Oh my gosh! pulls Blake over into a victory roll. For a two count. Scott then tosses Blake to the ropes, hitting a Frankensteiner for the pin and the win. That Frankensteiner looks disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, I was like, did you like that? I can't imagine that Homeboy was pretty, was very happy after that. Let's just say Scott has started beefing up a little bit too, too much. much. And too the Beverly Brothers are not, are not small guys. No. So like it is, uh, it's rough. That being said, this is, has to be the best Beverly Brothers match we're ever going to see. I don't know. You guys really liked the last one that we saw in the, feed, feed in the Survivor Series. Feed me some more. I love You it. liked the Beverly Brothers in the match. I'm not saying that you uh, liked the match. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, with the Steiners, like they're putting in the work. They're not looking weak. They're, all their heel stuff is clean. Like This is a Good. I think this is a solid ass match. Well, I mean, and the finish is fun. You have yeah. a good match when you're not going 17 minutes with the Bushwhackers. Yeah, they like that's <laughs> that's not fair to the Beverly Brothers. The Bushwhackers. Not who cares if it's fair? Uh, I can still hear Bobby Heenan in my head 
Oh, well, we do get our brain scan back. Rip his earmuffs off. But he actually only just does some real analysis of the match. He yeah, I think he also is make a joke about. Yeah. It. No, I think his brain scan might have been a little. I think he might have made a yeah, comment yeah. about it not working too well. Yeah, he said it was broken or something. Or maybe he just didn't have a joke queued up. But also, this is a theme of this show. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh oh. This would be the last pay per view match for the Beverly Brothers. Oh. Hey, at least they went out with their best match. I mean, seriously, if you're going to go, I think that was a solid solid way to go out. I mean, they might have just quit because Homeboy, you know, busted, busted a disc head. in his neck. Gorilla then sends us to a video package. And we, we have Mean Gene narration where we see the Rockers running down to the ring. They hit some awesome tag team moves. But then Sean super kicks Marty. And sends him through that barber shop window. We're setting it up. We're getting it. We're getting it, Shane. Plate glass window. We're getting the the the, the thing. The thing, the thing we should have had. Michaels is staring into a mirror that Sherry is holding in the ring when Janetti would jump into the ring and attack Sean. And Marty looks like he's gonna go after Sherry, taking the mirror away from her to hit Michaels with it. When Sean pulls Sherry in front of it. For her to take the blow. Boo. And Michaels would run off to the locker room. Sherry's the, the best. So our second match. I, I can't believe this is the second match. I bet I guess we got a whole Royal Rumble. So, you know, those are always at least an hour long. Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Intercontinental Championship with Sensational Sherry in a neutral corner. Sherry's out first. Sherry looks sad. But she also looks gorgeous. Yes, of course. Sensational even. Mm-hmm. But speaking of outfits, <laughs> did Marty have someone crochet his own? <sighs> He's all tasseled up. Way It's like, much. yeah, it's, it's funny, but it's okay. It's too much. It looks bad. It's bad, but it's kind of like uh, the first pass. It's like the black and white first pass for the Max Moon outfit. <laughs> like, all I could think of really was the Marty and Black. If you want to destroy my sweater, I just wanted to oh, start yeah. pulling a string, so all that shit would just fall yeah. away. Yeah, it's like a white, like a white sweater with yarn hanging all over it. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, <laughs> weird look. So Sean's inside the ring and he's inviting Sherry to come in, but she's just giving him the death stare. Mm-hmm. And the match gets going, and Michaels is talking smack to Marty. But Janetti hits a big right hand, a face plant. Ooh. Irish whips Sean for his version of the flare flip. And followed by an, an inverted atomic drop and a knee lift that sends Michaels out to the floor. Marty then slingshots Sean back in, only to clothesline him right back out. Hell yeah. That's followed, a good that's a good look. Followed by a really bad-looking suicide dive. Mm, yes, not the greatest. Hey. It's, it's, he's been off for a while. Marty being Marty. Janetti with a flying punch off the apron and goes up to the top rope for another, but Michaels catches him in the gut. Sean runs Marty shoulder-first into the ring post multiple times. Posted. Before rolling him back in, hitting a shoulder-breaker, and continues to work over the shoulder which Janetti runs away to the outside to catch a breather. But Michaels follows out, hitting a body slam out on the floor. 
Once back in the ring, Sean throws Marty shoulder first into a turnbuckle, a top rope axe handle across the shoulder, and locks on an armbar. Michaels continues to stay on the arm and shoulder until Janetti catches him coming off the top rope with a boot to the chin. Sean recovers the charge into the corner, but Marty is moved and he goes shoulder first into the ring post. The two men start brawling when Jonetti is thrown through the ropes out to the floor. And Michaels grabs Marty, dragging him up to the apron, goes for a vertical suplex, but Jonetti blocks and reverses, sending Sean over and out to the floor. The crowd goes wild. Everybody's loving, uh, you know, Sean getting, getting some. Poetry in motion. Mm-hmm. Sherry comes over and it looks like she's going to check on Sean, but she just slaps him. Oh, we've got a bunch of Sherry Cam throughout this so far, and she doesn't need to say anything because she's that damn good. Just all on her face. Marty brings Sean back into the ring with a bridging back suplex for a two count. Irish whips Michaels to the corner hard, flipping him out to the floor. Outside, Janetti slams Sean into the steel steps before bringing him back in where he misses a clothesline, but hits a power slam and goes up top to come off. But notice that Michaels is up, so Marty just lands on his feet and grabs Sean to hit a DDT for a near fall. Michaels is Irish whipped to the corner where he floats up and over a charging Janetti. Goes for the super kick, but Marty ducks and delivers one of his own for a two count. That's what we all want. Sunset flip by Sean, only for Janetti to drop onto his shoulders. But Michaels is able to pull him over which Marty escapes and catapults Sean into the turnbuckle head first, bouncing right back into a sit-out pin by Janetti for a near fall. Back to their feet, Michaels goes to throw a punch, but his elbow knocks the ref down as he pulls back. Yeah, yeah, you know. And you know, like, with the camera view and everything, it's pretty perfect, and you know that, like, in Sean in character knows exactly what he's doing, which is fucking magic. Yep. It's not that accidental shit. Like, it's cameras in the right place. Shawn Michaels is being, it be, he is the full character and not just a wrestler here. Yep. Marty locks Shawn in a full Nelson, allowing Sherry to come in. And she takes her shoe off, swings it, but Michaels ducks and Janetti is knocked down. Oh. Shawn starts to threaten Sherry, but then stands Marty up to super kick him. For the pin, and, and the, the win. win. <laughs> Post match, Sherry goes running off to the back. Oh, she's balling when he when uh, he approaches him before the end of the match, or when Sean approaches her. And Mean Gene catches up with Sherry in the back. He's trying to get an interview with her, only for Michaels to walk in. But then Janetti comes running in and jumps on his back, and the two men are brawling until security can break them up. Unfortunately, Marty would not be seen again for a few months after this. What a bummer. This is the, a great way to start. I mean, this is a trilogy. It's the beginning of a trilogy. This is our first act of what should be a beautiful film. I love that when Sherry runs back there and she's losing her shit, Mean Gene's there, and he's just, he sounds pretty harsh, but he just says, Sherry, damn it, settle down, woman, or whatever. He like, yeah, it's like, chill out, man. Like, he was a little a little extra harsh for Mean Gene, but it was a very good uh, line delivery from Mean Gene Okrund. 
Damn it, Marty. If I could right. only go back in time and, I don't know. Slap the stupid Steal animal. the drugs from you. Maybe, like, roofie you. Put you to bed. I'd be all for that. The world could be a different place now mm-hmm. if Marty Jannetty had just said no. I mean, same with Jake the Snake. There's so many casualties, but those are two of the big ones as far as, like, people that you feel like really could have done something big for a long time. Like, just Jake behind the scenes and, uh, you know, reasonably sober could have could have influenced the product a whole bunch, potentially. So we get our third match. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Big Boss Man. This Bam Bam Bigelow song fucking slaps. <laughs> it's like three notes, like real slow. Uh, it's so good. It caught me off guard. And that's saying a lot considering the Big Boss Man, another like potential top 10 theme song. So the last time we saw Bam Bam was at the WCW New Japan Super Show number one. All the way back in episode 55. It's crazy. Bam Bam, weirdest career. He never stays anywhere, does he? Mm-hmm. He's like uh, the fat dragon. <laughs> Big steamboat. <laughs> Bam Bam boat. So Bigelow attacks from behind, hits an avalanche splash, and is beating down Boss Man with forearms and multiple Irish whips to knock him out to the floor. Bam Bam follows out to slam Big Boss Man's head on the apron. But once back in the ring, Bossman fires up with several clotheslines and shoulder blocks. Mounted punches in the corner from Big Bossman, only for Bigelow to retaliate with a back suplex. Goes for a falling headbutt, which Bossman avoids. Big Bossman hits the faceplant, charges in, only for Bam Bam to backdrop him over the ropes and to the floor. And Bossman takes forever getting back into the ring. I would say Bossman takes forever to do anything. I would have to agree on both of those. I was always like, how is this not a 10 count? Yeah, I have I've had the same thing. I was like, hmm, well, I guess we just don't... They it's get, not the they get, Yeah, big guys get 20 counts. I'm not going to lie. I think this is where I like kept hitting the 10 seconds ahead. Oh, you're not allowed to fast forward? <laughs> I've, I've never fast forwarded. Okay, I guess <laughs> I digress. If I had seen this before, maybe. But I, I don't know. I've done my hard time. So. Yeah, you did your hard time. <laughs> Bam Bam applies a waist lock and putting he's putting all of his weight on Big Boss Man. The Boss Man fights out, only for Bigelow to catch him with a flapjack onto the ropes. Now he's back to working on the back with the waist lock, and it literally feels like they're cuddling for about three minutes because they're like laying on the mat next to each other. This is the bear match. Only for Boss Man to fire up to break the hole, <laughs> reverse a vertical suplex, which. There was no hide because his back gave out as he was trying to lift him. Yeah. And Bam Bam is up first to hit a leaping headbutt. Bigelow with more headbutts goes for a crossbody, but Big Boss Man ducks, allowing him to get on the offense with a back body drop, some roundhouse rights, and charges into a corner only to receive a big boot and a clothesline from Bam Bam. Bigelow goes up to the top and hits a diving headbutt, for the pin and, and the win. win. Good to see Bam Bam pick up a win here. Agreed. Might be because this would be Big Boss Man's last WWF match for about five years. Oh, oh wow. Shows. Until he comes back and is just like the crony. 
Oh, I guess before he gets hung by the Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. And then he becomes kind of just... Seems like he didn't have a whole lot of matches. He becomes the first S.H.I.E.L.D. member. Huh, where does he go? Because he's wearing the vest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the boss man that I remember the most. It's like, oh, he's just, just there. Yeah, I think he comes back and he's no longer big boss man. He's just boss man. Boss man, man yeah, for yeah. sure. Where does he go? Or is it, what are we going to find out? He's he's a yeah, he's going to go back to WCW and terrorize Jim Cornette. I guess we haven't seen Jimmy C in a while either. Gorilla then throws it to a video package. And we see Owen Hart being interviewed on WWF Mania when Razor Ramon attacks him. We then come back to Monsoon and Bobby talking about Ramon. And then it throws it to an interview of Razor at a Sacramento Kings game from the night before with Raymond Rougeau. I know, I noticed that. It was like, oh, that's what he's doing. I thought it was cool that they did a promo at a Kings game like a day ahead of time. I don't know why. Just kind of a nice touch. I assume that maybe they did like a halftime thing or something. I don't know what they could have done. He's just up in a suite. I guess already there. They're like, I guess we'll, you know, shoot this promo while we're up here watching the game. And we haven't seen Raymond Rougeau since Royal Rumble 1990. Back in episode 41. Aw, welcome home, Ray. Yeah, I like the Rougeaus. We then get Mean Gene with Bret Hart in the back. And Bret says, This is way beyond a title match. He crossed the line. It's a personal thing. It's a family thing. It's and it's blood. blood. If you want blood, we got it. So we got our fourth match. Razor Ramon versus Brett the Hitman Hart for the WWF Championship. And who is at ringside? Oh, oh you know who's at ringside. Stu and Helen. Stu and Helen are there for us. Fresh out the dungeon. Brett goes to give his shades to a young fan. Mm-hmm. But once he's back in the ring, Razor then walks over and tosses his toothpick at the same kid. Lucky little fucker. He gets everything. <laughs> I hope he didn't keep that toothpick. That's disgusting. Hitman goes... You could, you could build a, a modern day razor. Oh, okay. Yeah, there Jurassic we go. Park powers. Mm-hmm. Hitman goes on the attack, angered by Ramon's actions, but it backfires as Razor uses his size to take control. Oh, his big knees. Razor Ramon is so big and hot. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That, like I never... We all know what Scott Hall looks like now, but I just always forget how tall and handsome he is. He is a gigantic man. He was very much a, a looker. Yes, for sure. And he makes Brett just not look very imposing. No. Irish whip by Ramon charges in with a leaping knee, but Hart moves and starts working over the leg, including applying a figure four, only for Razor to make it to the ropes to break the hold. Jaw pop for that figure four? I was, I was excited. I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I didn't like jump out of my seat, but I was just like, oh shit, figure four? This early in the match? Back to the leg by Brett, slamming it against the ring post. Goes for an Irish whip that Ramon reverses and sends Hitman chest first into the ring post. And Brett, yeah, Brett's just picking him apart real quick here. Razor with multiple backbreakers on the floor and then runs him back first into the ring post before rolling Hart back into the ring. Elbow drops, fall away slam, whips Brett chest first into the turnbuckle. Ramon then locks on an ab stretch, 
still working the back. And what we've got here is a limb versus limb match, which I am super into. This bread on the leg, of course, for the sharpshooter, and uh, razor for the ribs, I guess it kind of makes sense with the razor's edge. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not quite the same, but, I mean, you know. I mean, after just slamming him chest first. Or yeah, it's like, okay, well, I the... just did my biggest damage. Let's let's work this. Yep. Hitman fires up to reverse the hold, but is hip-tossed off. And Razor tries for an elbow drop, only for Hart to move. But Ramon with a face plant misses a back elbow, and Hart comes off the ropes with a crossbody for a two count. Brett's out on the apron and comes back in with a sunset flip. But Razor just sits down on his shoulders, only for Hitman to pull him over for a near fall. And I love that that two count, Razor pushes Brett off, but he pushes him off so forcefully that Brett flies to the apron. It's those little things, man. Ramon goes back to work on the back with a camel clutch, a bear hug, only for Hart to break the hold by biting Razor. And he can, because he attacked his brother. It it checks out. And that's kind of becoming his trademark, is biting. (laughs) Are Canadians biters? I mean, they're supposed to be a friendly people who say, you know, I'm sorry for everything, but do they just all of a sudden snap and just like... Everybody's got a breaking point. (laughs) Everybody's got a price. <laughs> Brett back body drops Ramon out to the floor, following out with a tope suicido, then running his head into the still steps before bringing Razor back into the ring. Mounted punches, inverted atomic drop, a clothesline, and a backbreaker by Hitman. Hits a second rope flying clothesline and a bulldog for two counts. <sighs> Gorilla keeps wondering why Hart's not going for the sharpshooter. And Heenan says it's because Ramon's legs are too long. Pretty big. Brett then hits a Russian leg sweep and goes for the sharpshooter. <laughs> you spoke too soon, Mr. Monsoon. Only for Razor to crawl immediately to the ropes. But Hitman pulls him off and looks to apply the submission. But guess what? Ramon's legs are indeed too long and he can't turn him over. What? Razor's back to his feet with right hands and forearms to the back of Hart. Sets him up on the top rope, but a back elbow from Brett knocks Ramon down, allowing Hitman to flip over his back and hit a back suplex. Ah, beautiful little spot. Hart goes for the second rope, elbow drop, but Razor gets a boot up into the chin. And the bad guy calls for the Razor's edge. But Brett wiggles free backsliding Ramon for a near fall. Hard Irish whips and a test of strength by Razor, but Hitman counters it into a pin so unique that the ref doesn't even realize it for a moment. It's a crazy pin. It's awesome. It looks cool as hell. So only a two count. They're both lying on the mat, and Hart intertwines their legs into the sharpshooter, rolls him over for the submission, and And the win. What a finish. His legs weren't too long. He just, he just needed to get it deeper, man. Yeah. Silly girl. Uh, I love Razor's stumble, you know, when mm-hmm. he's selling. It's a, it's a good, it's got a good stumble. There's a, there's a lot to, a lot to like here. Agreed. Uh, I, even, uh, what is it? The ref bump looks good. The way he like pulls his leg. It's like, yeah. it doesn't. Not most ref look bumps don't look good. No, I forgot how 
pleasant it was watching Scott Hall as Razor Ramon back in the Razor Ramon days, just in comparison to the shit show he becomes, you know, four or five years from now, where he could actually move in the ring and do stuff and oh yeah, put like, on a match instead of you know half-assing and dragging his way through it because he's too fucked up on something to. Everybody's you know, make got demons. Really. But I mean, okay. but I mean, Bret Hart is taking him through this match, but he's meeting him every step of the way. It's like he's firing on all the cylinders he has, but we all know who's behind this. And see, specifically, I remember the poster for this uh, Rumble. Just the picture, you know, the like it's a, a half face of each of them on the yep. the cover and. Yeah, that's that's one of the graphics that stood out over time as I mean it's a simple poster or graphic, whatever, but just the, the two of them they just have a, a commanding Yeah two, something about them that you know, it pulls you in. Yeah, it's presence. not it's not um, they they have more presence than your earthquake Hogan poster or King Kong Bundy like Hogan poster. It's like look at these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, they're people you actually want to look at. And going off of kind of what you had said, yeah, the you know, Razor is at his you know, most handsomest at oh, that yeah. time. And, you know, Hitman is still in his pretty boy phase as well, too. So you've got... And we have a like, working champion that can wrestle as well. Yeah. And is wants to give the fans a wrestling match. Not a, uh, you know... It's not vitamin-eating fish-shaking, bootleg-drop bullshit. It's a fucking wrestling match. As the match ends, Heenan leaves the announce table and heads off to the arena floor. Ah, don't do it to us, Heenan. The brain has a mic, and he introduces the Narcissist. The Narcissist. Narcissist. Or did they add the T finally? I don't know. All I'm saying is it should just be the Narcissist. And it's Lex Luger. Oh my god. Hmm. And you know what is great about this? His non-compete finally ran out so he can <laughs> be there. No, the, they, lift the, they lift the curtain and he's standing not facing the crowd, but instead there's three mirrors surrounding him. He's wearing all silver, just taking himself in like the Narcissus he is. The last time we saw Lex Luger was at Super Brawl 2, which was episode 67. But like you said, he's checking his body out. Yeah, he's been on that Ico Pro. Because he's a narcissist. With Bobby as his hype man for way too long. Yeah, yeah Bobby's just like getting real horny. Remember talking when I about said him for the, a real uh, long time. The first Raw that I was embarrassed for Bobby's promo. Mm. Yeah. I would much rather watch that one all many, many day long over. than this. Yeah, this was... This was tough to watch. Yeah. yeah, it goes on, and like Bobby just being so horny for Lex for yeah. such an extended amount of time is just like, what are we getting here? It's like, like they wiped out Sherry and gave her personality to Bobby to have him fawn over <laughs> Lex. Yeah, I mean, as much as we all love Bobby, like if Sherry wasn't booked up, like this would have worked better with her. Yeah, have her leave Sean, go to the narcissist, and then the two pretty boy narcissists can fight each other. For her. Luger does have this line when he finally does cut a promo. Yeah, I was waiting for him to talk. It took a while. Mm, There's good reason. (laughs) I mean, yeah. 
I will be the most dominant force that the WWF has ever seen. I am the most mesomorphically magnificent physical specimen beyond perfection. That's just yeah. I have the I have the mesomorphic like. Who gave you this what? line? <laughs> yeah, mesomorphically. <laughs> Like, and then we're back to Bobby on his knees as the curtain starts to fall. Mm-hmm. This whole thing was just stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I can't even I think, think of it. I think it could have been okay it's if it was a, a little bit shorter. It's a smidge better than the gobbledygook. I'm a, I'm a, but you know what? The gooker had Mean Gene trying to make it funny yeah. and he could dance. I'm, a, so. I'm pro, pro gook. Yeah. In hindsight, of course. In this sense, I'm, I'm very much for the gooker over the narcissist. The gooker's at least funny. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Hey, the Gooker's a Guerrero. We're, he said I'm, I'm mesomorphically. <laughs> hey, man. It's all... Uh, Two sides all, of a coin. It's all made up anyway. So let's make up our own words. He's the narcissist. They even, took, they even took a letter off of a word to make a word that's not real. Howard Finkel then announces Caesar and Cleopatra. Yeah. Exactly who would I expect to walk out after... Narcissus, the narcissist is done. And these two are basically just a walking promo for WrestleMania 9, which will be in Las Vegas, as Caesar reads a scroll mm-hmm. to invite everyone to come to WrestleMania 9. But you know what? Would you rather have Caesar read this scroll or leap in Lanny Poffo himself, the genius? A scroll that we're never happy to see. I never want a scroll of any kind. <laughs> How do you feel about lists? Lists are okay. Okay. So we're to our fifth match. The Royal Rumble. The whole damn thing. With the winner of the match getting to face the WWF champion at WrestleMania 9. An idea that took six years to pop into someone's head. Mm -hmm. You know what they should have done for the first five years? Give them a ring! (laughs) Something. Where's their funky, I don't know, a tro- trophy? Oh, yeah, a trophy. A ring. Ring, you know, rings are cool. Either one. That'd be good. But our first entrant of the Royal Rumble is the nature boy, Rick Flair. Woo. Back at the beginning all over again. I know. He was, I was number like, three last year, sir. Hey, yeah. Close enough. But it's one of those things where it's like, Rick Flair's number one. What are the chances of him winning? And what, like... Why would you not want to see Ric Flair versus Bret Hart? I was like, ah, wouldn't that just be a, a real fun thing to do? Apparently, they don't want you to see Ric Flair, Flair versus do much Bret of anything, Hart. honestly, <laughs> in the WWF. And when he gets his moments, he has the they're they're good, but they don't give him a lot of them. And number two is Bob Backlund. Excuse me, I was very caught off guard by this. Mm-hmm. You want to know what I was most caught off guard for? What? I found out that I am the same age right now that Bob Backlund was in this Rumble. I couldn't believe that. They said his age, and I was like, Bob Backlund looks great for his age. He's in great shape. He doesn't even look that old. He's got quite the boyish face anyway. Mm-hmm. But I was like, damn. like." Oh, how do you do to himself? And, you know, as, we, as this starts, we realize Bob Backlund can still go. Well, Bob Backlund is a professional wrestling WWE and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And I can't believe we haven't... This is the first time we've seen him. Mm-hmm. And he was the WWF champion for, what, like five years? Yep, for quite some time. Yeah, and it all... It was, kind of, it was before the 
pay-per-view era. Yeah, so. definitely. But this made me want to see some Backlund because I think that he is really good here, especially working with Flair. And I do like some of his like goofy stuff that you know he did a million times uh, in MSG. And yeah, I just got... I wanted... I go, I'm intrigued by Backlund. A name that I've known forever. A face that I've seen, but somebody that I need to know more about now. Remember you said that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm talking about, you know, a decade ago. I want to mm-hmm. see him see that. Well, again, remember you said that. I mean... <laughs> Backlund goes for the handshake, but Flair kind of does the psych. Yes. Waving his and wooing at him. Monsoon makes a prediction that neither... One of these will be there at the end. Safe bet. Bob then hits a back body drop and an atomic drop before number three comes in, which is Papa Shango. Boop, boop. That's my uh, train horn. Papa slams Backlund's head into a turnbuckle, attempts to lift him over the ropes when Nate comes from behind to dump Shango over. And Papa Shango is eliminated. And this would be the last time we see this gimmick on (laughs) pay-per-view. Oh, nuts. Uh, Shango, uh, you know, quite a look, not a lot of uh, legacy. Didn't even make it a full year. Nature Boy then tosses Bob over, but he only goes to the apron before rolling back in. And then a chop fest breaks out between the two men. Yeehaw. Number four is Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Bring it on, brother With Ted. Jimmy Hart. Exactly. A back elbow to backland that forces Bob to be strung up in the ropes, allowing Flair and Million Dollar Man to double-team him. A double-team back elbow on Bob in the attempt to toss him out, but Backlund falls against the ropes to stop his momentum. Number five is Brian Nobbs, one half of the Nasty Boys. Nobbs rolls in and is met immediately by the Nature Boy and DiBiase, who attempt a double clothesline. But Brian ducks and returns off the ropes with a double clothesline of his own. The Nasty Boy is laying them both out with punches, a double noggin knocker, and tosses Flair over the ropes. But he only lands on the apron and follows that with an elbow drop on Million Dollar Man. Nate rolls back in to hit Nobbs from behind, while Backlund attacks the Nature Boy as well. Bob then with mounted punches on Flair and a pit stop by Brian on DiBiase. What's the pit stop? Rubs his face in his armpit. Oh, gross. Yeah. (laughs) Number six is Virgil. Hell yeah. Virgil Virgil still gets like a pop. The crowd still likes to see Virgil do stuff. Yeah, the same crowd cheered for the Bushwhackers for years too, so I'm not going to listen to those people. Don't put Virgil next to the Bushwhackers. Like uh, Virgil is, char- Virgil is charming and not necessarily fun, but I'm Virgil not mad. Virgil still has a job. You think? I'm, I'm okay with that. The Bushwhackers do nothing for me. Virgil warms my little heart. Even you- though I don't want it all the time. Somebody's got to like him. DiBiase hits Virgil with a double axe handle as he enters, tosses him to the ropes, but Virgil slides underneath him, hitting an atomic drop, laying in the jabs, before delivering a clothesline. Nobbs and Virgil with, with the double back body drop on DiBiase, and the nasty boy goes for a clothesline on Million Dollar Man, but he ducks and pulls down the ropes, 
sending Nobbs flying over to the floor. Brian Nobbs is eliminated, and this would be his final pay-per-view match for the WWF. Aw, nuts. uh, Did the Nasty Boys do the thing they did earlier where they swapped trajectories with the Steiners? They were like, oh, cool, maybe we'll get a a nasty, nasty team for the Steiners, and then they... Pretty much, yes. Yeah, it's like, all right, this is just wrestling, man. Number seven <laughs> is Jerry the King Lawler. I know, I was I was surprised for this too. Last know. time we saw him was at AWA Super Clash 3. Mm-hmm. All the way back in episode 23. Oh, I was going to guess 27. Sometimes uh, it's hard to tell. We do so many of these. Flair goes after the King, but Lawler gets the best of him. So Nate rolls under the ropes to get a breather. Number eight, Max Moon. Hell yeah. Moon's in with a drop kick on the King, a back body drop on the Nature Boy, but Flair retaliates with a knee lift, tossing Max over the ropes, but he skins the cat. He sure does. Coming back in to brawl some more with Nature. A spinning kick into the corner by Moon on Lawler, and he tries for a second one. But the king ducks, and Max goes over the ropes and to the floor. And Max Moon is eliminated. Well, he skinned the cat the first time. He should have scaled the moon the second. Yeah. How? I'm trying to remember this elimination. A spinning kick. Jerry was in the, the corner, and he goes to, he does the like spinning kick into him, goes for it again, and Jerry just like literally ducks, and he kicks, and he... Jumps high enough that he like literally just okay. jumps over the ropes. Yeah, not the most memorable of eliminations. No. Probably why he didn't remember. What's uh? There's a Bob Backlund does this weird like thigh stomp thing, which is very awkward, and I haven't seen anybody do it before. Normally they would hit like the inside of the thighs while somebody's on their back, and you got their like legs up or whatever. But he like does some weird thing to like the side outside of their thigh, and Charlie it's Charlie Horseman. It's a real weird one. Number nine is Jinichiro Tenru. Oh my god. Who we haven't seen since WrestleMania 7. And he gets no reaction from the crowd. I don't I think everybody decided to stop talking for a, a full minute as he walked to the ring. Tenru and Flair have a chop fest leading to a flare flop. And that flare flop is in like reverse. Like he's like walking backwards as he does it. It was a like it was a weird flare flop. Oh yeah, he, uh, it was he very does funny. It every now and then. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, mm, all right, I got a chuckle out of it. Hit so, tossed by Virgil on the King. Million Dollar Man slams Genichiro's head into a turnbuckle. The Nature Boy tosses Virgil over the ropes to the apron, but then brings him back in with a slingshot. He likes he liked Virgil too. He, he must be a Virgil. Birds of a I'm not finished with you. <laughs> Monsoon says he wishes he had a running clock so he knew how long some of these people had been out there. And I shout, I literally shouted out, over 18, because number 10 is about to come out. (laughs) As number 10 comes out, it's Mr. Perfect. And he then starts losing his mind as he he runs down to the ring. He feels the flashbacks of the icy drip of that cold water from a board meeting. What was that even? <laughs> you remember where he pours oh, the, the water on him? That, that was primetime wrestling. It, it, prime time yeah, wrestling. but like, yeah, though, just the setup for that uh, yeah. interview segment or whatever was very funny. It seemed like they were 
you know, about to go over numbers. <laughs> Nature Boy and Perfect are going after each other. A knee lift and a head slam into a turnbuckle by Perfect. But an eye rake allows Flair to go up to the top rope, only to be press slammed off. I love that uh, at this point, there's some more people in the ring, but Tenru just doesn't really know what to do. So he's just kind of like standing in the corner for a minute. He's like, oh, like, yeah, and where do I, where do I fit in here? Just kind of like sussing it all uh, Where's demolition? Out. I also love his uh, weird, <laughs> his weird haircut. He's got like a uh, like a Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath like bob. But I thought it was funny where he was just like, "All right, where do I? What do I do? This is not how we typically do things in Japan." And we're told that Flair and Perfect have a loser leaves town match the next night on Raw. Ooh. I'm sure you can all figure out who the winner of that match was. Uh, we might need to cover that. <laughs> you just like doing the one-hour ones. Well, Sometimes no. I do too. <laughs> that that one will. I'll yeah. I won't. I won't talk about it right now because we're talking about this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one has a an oddity about it. Number eleven comes out. Is that the beginning of the oddities? No. Okay, just check. <laughs> and it's Skinner, who we haven't seen since WrestleMania eight. Yeah, I said boo, and the crowd said nothing. No. Nature goes for a clothesline, but Perfect ducks and hits one of his own to send the Nature Boy over the ropes and to the floor. Ric Flair is eliminated, and we won't see him in the WWF again for nine years. Yeah. Well, on that note then, then I'll just go ahead and say that the next night on <laughs> Raw, they have their career versus yeah, yeah. career match, and Mr. Perfect wins. But the pin comes during a commercial break, so the audience at home missed it. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah. I'm sure Flair was like, you're not pinning me on TV, but that I'm going to go. The... That's the reason why we're not watching it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, that's... Of all the what the fuck like, moments to happen on TV, yeah. that was, yeah. I, what the hell? <laughs> I view this as a as a relief. I, I want Flair back home. Yeah, Send the man home. But again, I want Mr. Perfect to get that bump. I mean, I would like to. I would pin during a commercial break. Damn it! I can uh, understand that for sure. But at the same time, like Rick's about to go back home. He can't be. He can't be taking a pin on Raw. I mean, he could have, but if he could bring the other company's belt with them, I get it. He can take a pin on his last match on camera. Number twelve is Coco Beware with his really high pants. Welcome back, Coco. Headbutts by the Birdman on Ten Room. Mounted punches on Lawler. Perfect tosses Skinner over the ropes, only for the alligator man to skin the cat. <laughs> Skinner skins. But Perfect sees this and drop kicks him back over to the floor. That was a wonderful little spot. And Skinner is eliminated, and this would be the last time we see him. I was about to make that joke, but you were too quick for me. <laughs> as Skinner. Oh, okay, as Skinner. What was your joke going to be? Oh, just this was this will be the last time because I just had a feeling. I don't really know. I'm uh, I had no idea, but I just I could feel it. Number thirteen is Samu, one half of the Head Shrinkers, and he's dragged out by oh the my gosh, by yes. Alpha. Damn Alpha, what the hell? Samu with headbutts to Virgil and Perfect. Then Coco gives him one before stomping on his bare feet. DiBiase with a knee lift to Virgil and the King with a DDT on Perfect. Mm. Number 14 is the Berserker. Berserker. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? what? Oh, okay. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? 
From a movie I've seen a handful of times, yeah. to say the least. Lawler charges in with a clothesline, but perfect back body drops him over the ropes and to the floor. And Jerry, the King Lawler, is eliminated. And we will continue to see so him Jerry for the for... next 28 years. Yes. <laughs> Not going anywhere. DiBiase and Tenru then toss Perfect over the ropes to the apron, and the King helps pull him down from the outside. Dick. So Mr. Perfect is eliminated. Dick. We hate to see it. Lawler and Perfect then start brawling on the outside until the refs can break it up. Number 15. Actually, before we move on to number 15. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, who is in the ring that has any chance of winning this? Nobody. Uh, around yeah. the time that... You got the Berserker in there. Around the... Um, is Bob... Coco Beware? Is Bob, Bob Backlund the most well-known person that's in this ring at this point? He's the most, he's the most like, tenured... Flip through my sheet here. He's the only person that's, like, a champion. Or has champion material. I, mean, I yeah. guess DiBiase, maybe. Yeah. But oh, we, we know DiBiase. We know, we know they're not going to do anything with DiBiase. Because they have never have. They only started they it. owe it to him after having him run into the Royal Rumble last year, only to be eliminated in, like, six seconds. But Still haven't forgotten about that. Around the time Skinner comes in, uh, I'm just like, all right, this is dragging. And then it picks up for a second. Because of, you know, the spot that Skinner goes out on, and there's, like, the action picks up a little bit. Taker comes out. Number 15, The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. Samu attacks Taker as he gets into the ring, while Berserker and Backlund go out to the floor through the ropes. So Berserker hits him multiple times with a chair. Ooh, I know, chair shot's crazy. Of course, Taker gets a big old dang pop. Mm-hmm. The dead man then choke slams Samu over the ropes and to the floor. Mm-hmm. So Samu is eliminated. Berserker is pulled up the mat from around the ring and body slams Bob onto it. I know, Berserker's going in. I'm like, who knew? What kind of beef did Berserker have with Bob Backlund? Maybe Bob just wanted to make a splash, get known. Get renowned in this in these times. He's been off TV for so long. He's like, there's no way I'm going out there and jobbing to uh, Hogan. I'm just gonna go hang out with my kids. <laughs> Tenru hits an Insiguri on the Undertaker and charges in with a clothesline, but Taker back body drops him over to the floor, and Jinchiro Tenru is eliminated. I know it feels weird anytime at this point that we get of note Japanese guys in the WWF because. Like WCW has that strong relationship that it's just so it's kind of weird. Like I did not the last thing I expected was you know a Japanese wrestler that I know by name <laughs> to come out. Then WWF tries it and yeah they just don't get the reaction like whatsoever because they do absolutely nothing with any other company and then bring people in and expect them to make a splash. Ugh. Whereas Muda lost three times on television comes back. A couple years later, still to Pops. Granted that it is in one of the bigger wrestling towns, you know, of like smart fans and stuff, but they're, they're Muda crazy. They're missed maniacs. Berserker's back in the ring, and the Irish whips Coco to the corner and charges in, but where moves? So the Berserker goes shoulder first into the turnbuckle. Number 16 is Terrific. Terry Taylor. Oh, is he really terrific now? I mean, I like Terry Taylor, but I didn't mean to sound shitty. But is, is that what they're billing him as? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we haven't seen him since Beach Blast 92, all the way back in episode 70. 
the was he the tailor made man then? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Like the tailor made man. I like the York Foundation. It's just kind of weird that it started and then it was never like a strong faction. It was like an idea, but they never really pulled it off quite like I would have enjoyed. But they built people. Yeah. Taylor and Coco start going at each other with Taylor's trying for a suplex, only for Ware to float over and attempt to push Terry over the ropes. But then the million dollar man comes from behind and pushes them both over. And Terry Taylor and Coco Beware are eliminated. And this would be the last pay-per-view match for Coco Beware. You know what grinds my gears? I spent all that time with Terry Taylor in WCW. Each time I saw him, or I should say the next time I saw him, and then the next time, he got better and better. His looks improved. His in-ring capability improved. His mic skills improved. And then he leaves there, and he comes back over here, and they instantly put him in almost the exact same costume that he wore as the fucking Red Rooster, cut his hair, bleached it down, yeah, bury him, bury him like a fucking dick in the dirt. And I know he came back just for a paycheck, but good fucking lord! It's not like you couldn't. It, he, you can do something with him because he can do stuff. Yeah, I mean, he went to another company and became their version of the Million Dollar Man, which I can understand why they have Million Dollar Man eliminate him <laughs> here. But it's like, hey, come on back, you know? We need somebody to I don't know, take over for Coco Beware because he's no longer yeah. going to be here. <laughs> The dead man would then choke slam DiBiase before clotheslining him over the ropes. Mm-hmm. And Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase is eliminated. And I'm not even as angry this time as I was the last time because he at least got to come in there and do something. But and hold on, guys. Motherfucker. The show is about to come to a complete halt. Undertaker and Berserker are battling when a giant oh comes God. down to the ring in an ultimate warrior bodysuit <laughs> covered could it with be? fur. Who could it be? With Harvey Whippleman. Oh, that's a sign of a badass right there. Taker and by giant, you mean Elegante. Huge. Well, he doesn't the, have a name. What is his name? Who is this man? He's the giant. He's just a giant. Yeah. I don't know what his name is. They had no name. He's the giant with no name. Taker back body drops Berserker over the ropes into the floor. And the Berserker is eliminated, and this is his last pay-per-view match in <laughs> WWE. <laughs> They're really, this is like uh, just a, a, mass, a mass firing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's pretty pretty incredible. Uh, there's a, a real wild shot of uh, El, El Gigante's uh, taint. The, the homunculus. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm going to assume his name is. Number 17 is Damien Demento. We see the giant and the dead man. The giant and the dead man keep taking steps towards each other, sizing each other up. And uh, just saying, the big man is looking really big next to Taker. Yeah. The giant chops Taker so hard that he goes flying over the top rope. Oh, no. And the Undertaker is eliminated. My God. Taker then just keeps being attacked by the giant on the outside, sending him into still steps, rolls him back into the ring just so he can choke slam the dead man. The Yeti is uh, payback for, you know, old UT, the Taker, putting, uh, putting Kamala in the casket. And by the way, Demento still has not gotten into the ring at this point. <laughs> Finally, somebody's smart. Number 18 
is Erwin R. Scheister with Jimmy Hart. The Giant is continuing to ram Undertaker's legs into the ring post. Until I the, smell a feud. Until the officials finally getting to go back to the locker room. The Giant, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is but it... Giant Gonzalez, who we haven't seen since WCW New Japan Super Show 2. His proudest moment. As El Gigante. The only time I was happy to see him, just because I felt so good for him to get that pop of 60,000 people. Hmm. All of a sudden, Demento and IRS jump in the ring and start attacking Backlund, who has finally made his way back into the ring. Y'all leave Opie alone. Number 19 is Tatanka. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is where I start to get tapped out. So, so right now we have Demento. I'm tapping out. IRS, mm-hmm. Backlund, mm-hmm. and Tatanka in the ring. So Yeti's not even a contestant, is he? I, I mean, homunculus. Giant, Giant Gonzalez? Yeah. No, he's not. He just came out to... It's very confusing. To attack I'm trying Undertaker. to number this, and I've got like question marks next to numbers. Is this guy this... What number is this? Taker's still laid out on the apron until Bear comes out with the urn to give him the power to rise up. And head back to the locker room. I love that. That's my dude, Paul. The Taker's... Uh, this maybe his best come-back-to-life come moment yet uh, with the urn. He springs up nicely. Probably because he didn't have to do a lot. Not real worn out quite yet. Well, here comes number 20. Another big contender for the belt. You know it. Oh, my God. The other half of the Nasty Boys, Jerry Sags. I love that mm. Like he walks out as Undertaker's walking by. He just kind of looks at him. Tatanka with mounted punches on IRS, only for him to escape with an inverted atomic drop. Sags hits an inverted atomic drop as well, and multiple clotheslines on Shyster. Number 21 is Typhoon, one half of the natural disasters. He hits an avalanche splash, shoulder blocks, and chokes on Demento. Number 22 is the other half of the head shrinkers, Fatu who's also dragged to the ring by his ears by Offa. <laughs> yeah, um, this Bobby Heenan, when Typhoon comes out, he calls him Tugboat, and then he calls him Typhoon, and then he calls him Tugfoon, and I thought that that was very <laughs> funny that he, you know, slipped up and turned it into a, a fun little uh, mix-em-up. Fatu goes around the ring head-butting everybody until Sags fights back with a headbutt of his own to no avail. Backlund with a double noggin knocker on IRS and Demento. And number 23 is Earthquake. Now before I move forward, was the Natural Disasters having issues at this time that you know of? I could not find anything. Let us know, Shane. Because I, I thought remember. this was weird as well. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I imagine if they were, it probably didn't ever pay off. I don't. I can't recall, honestly. Because Earthquake goes right after Typhoon. It's not even like, oh, there's only a couple people left. Like, in this situation, if there's only two people left in the ring, like, if they cleared house, and then they have the moment where they, like, stare each other down, granted, they're not as high up on the card or whatever as they were a year or so ago, or two years ago, even it feels like, at this point, uh, then you could have that fun moment. But it just seems kind of... Weird here. Like I, I'm trying to remember if they had anything 
going on. I'm going to say that they probably with... didn't. No. Because the two men are hitting clotheslines on each other. Typhoon hits his avalanche splash and goes for a second one. But Quake ducks and Typhoon goes over the ropes and to the floor. Typhoon's eliminated and will be the last time we see him in a WWF ring for about eight years. Hmm. So I almost wonder if... Typhoon just kind of sprang it on WWF that, hey, I'm leaving. Okay. And they were like, well, here's your punishment. Earthquake, your partner, is going to show you show you out. out. Yeah, I don't know. Backlund and Demento are running each other into turnbuckles. And number 24 is Carlos Colon, who we haven't seen since Starcade 1983. Episode, episode number one. one. That's crazy. crazy. Do you remember Car- who he faced <clears throat> in episode one? No clue. I do not. Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, Abby. Carlos Colon looks pretty young. Uh, he is not young. I know, but he's... Even though Gorilla calls him youngster. Yeah. He is not I know that. he's not. Colon back body drops Demento over the ropes. And Demento is eliminated... And we can say goodbye to him as well, as we will never see him again. He becomes a, you know, bit part actor. Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Check it out. Number 25. <laughs> if you haven't seen Die Hard, you should probably watch a couple Die Hard movies. <laughs> El Matador Tito Santana. Ariba, baby. Backlund moves out of the no, way of Ariba's a... Ariba's his sister. <laughs> Backlund moves out of the way Thanks, of a Fatu clothesline that sends him over the ropes. And Fatu is eliminated. And this, no, okay. Earthquake slams Tito's head into the turnbuckle, and then Cologne slams Quake's head into the turnbuckle. Earthquake, with a bunch of elbows to Carlos, has him all the way over the ropes, but somehow Cologne holds on and rolls back into the ring. Number 26, Rick the Model Martel. And the model goes right after El Matador. Of course. In the feud that just won't end. I know. I'm not so mad at this feud. I'm just mad that it didn't ever get a spot on the card. Yeah, see, if we had more feuds like this where they didn't spend four years actually feuding, (laughs) they just, you know, one or two times throughout the year, I'll be in the same spot as you and I'm going to, you know, attack you and then we're not going to see each other again for six months. What if the two two men were both scared that they would just get uh, canned so they just... Like every once in a while, like suggest in the back that they could, uh, you know, come across each other at some point, just so they like kind of have something to do whenever it starts to uh, cool off. This feud has been going on since WrestleMania Five, <laughs> all the way back in episode twenty-eight. Yeah, Santana gets the advantage, slamming Martel's head into a turnbuckle multiple times. IRS has Quake staggered on the ropes and goes for a clothesline, but Earthquake ducks and Shyster goes flying over the ropes, and IRS is eliminated. No taxes this year. Mm. Sorry, buddy. Tito, with a big right hand, sends Backlund over the ropes, but he holds on and rolls back in, while Sags is dumped over by Quake, but he lands on the still steps and comes back in as well. Is that the first time we've got, like, the beginning of the Goofy? 
goofy rules. I, it was a complete non. I don't think he was supposed to go over. He just yeah. accidentally did. That makes more sense. <laughs> Number twenty-seven is Yokozuna with oh, Mister Fuji. Damn. Heenan says he probably weighs more than five hundred pounds by now. With all the rice and sushi Fuji has been feeding him. Sounds like a pretty good time, Yoko. Tatanka attempts to take on Yoko, only to be tossed over the ropes. And Tatanka is eliminated. Quick work. Cologne then goes after Yokozuna, only to be tossed as well. When he lands on the apron, momentarily, but Yoko with a big right hand knocks him off to the floor. And Carlos Cologne is eliminated and he never wrestles in a major American promotion again. Well, instead, he, he just stays his kids in Puerto house. Rico for the rest of his life. Yeah. And sends his kids our way instead. Earthquake points at Yoko, and the two big men face off. Quake goes for multiple shoulder blocks that don't even phase Yokozuna. Number Come on, Yoko, you can sell a little bit for Earthquake. Tent is a big boy and a, an actual sumo wrestler. Number 28 is Owen Hart. Earthquake with multiple clotheslines, an avalanche splash, tries for a second one, only for Yoko to move, and belly-to-belly suplex Quake over the ropes. Earthquake Uh, is eliminated. The best belly-to-belly. Pretty sloppy here, but two big boys gets rough. Picking up that guy and... Lifting him over the ropes. Not mad. It was just kind of funny and also kind of scary. You're like, <laughs> when when these guys fall, they fall. Now El Matador is trying his luck with Yokozuna, only for him to be tossed out. But Tito holds on. Nice job, Chico. Number twenty nine. Tito is always Repo holds Man. on. Everybody's brawling until everyone just decides to team up and trying to eliminate Yoko. But he starts firing right hands to knock everybody off. So then they just go back to brawling with each other. Oh, um, he got us. We're done. Bobby Heenan has this horrible line about Yokozuna. Uh-oh. It looks like puppies at feeding time. Like when they all attack Yokozuna. I'm like, <laughs> horrible, horrible, disgusting, <laughs> rough fucking thing to say here, Bobby. As true as it may be. <laughs> <laughs> Number 30 is Macho Man Randy Savage. Woo! Uh, very excited about this, but I was very excited because I wasn't sure if our big furry bikini boy was part of the rumble or not. So, like, for a second there, I thought that Repo Man may have been 30, and I was like, oh, so we're saving the best for last? <laughs> like, all right. Uh, so I was very excited when this happened because I was just wasn't sure if we were going to get one or not, and yeah. it being Macho Man... I mean, come on. Especially when you have, you know, Savage coming from announcing on Monday Night Raw a couple weeks before. And he comes out with the intensity. And, like, of course, you got to have Macho Man last makes the most amount of sense. No matter what he does, it's fucking gold. Yep. Santana goes for a clothesline, but Yoko knocks him down and throws him out of the ring. El Matador Tito Santana is eliminated, and we never see him in a WWF ring again. Oh. Bye-bye. He was going to be the champion. One half of Strike Force. Owen drop kicks Sags over the ropes to the floor, and Jerry Sags is eliminated forgot. from the WWF as well. I forgot he was even here. Man, like, was, do we even have a roster? 
after this? Is that why we get so much doink? They're like, well, we're banking on doink. <laughs> doink and moon. And Crush. Oh, God. Crush doesn't even show up. Come on, brother. God. Crush isn't, he lives in Hawaii. He's not Hawaiian. He was born in Hawaii. Was he? Mm-hmm. But he's not Hawaiian. Like, I mean, of like... If you're born in Hawaii, you're Yeah, but Hawaiian. he's not, you know, he doesn't have... He's just a white guy. He's not Polynesian. Uh, yes, he's not Polynesian. Hey, but Hawaii is a part of America, so he's American. Barely. Martel then tosses Owen over the ropes, but he skins the cat and then goes right after Yoko, who hip-tosses Hart over the ropes. I know. And Owen more. Hart... Is eliminated. We needed more Owen. I feel like this is one of the few times where he doesn't really get to shine, but it is a rumble. Yeah. So Savage then tosses Repo Man to the floor. Thank and you. Repo Man's eliminated. And this is the last time we see him in a WWF ring for about eight years. I didn't realize the Repo Man thing was so short. But I guess it's because he was probably used a lot more on television. Final four is Yokozuna, Rick Martel. Macho Man and Bob Backlund. Ah, I got my money on Rick. Mm. I'm uh, all Backlund over here. I mean, we need a an arrogant opponent for. I need, uh, yeah. I need. I want the return of the uh, of the, the can. of the dad baby face. <laughs> the dad baby face in a trunks. Yeah, just in 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 a single solid color trunks yes. and a bad haircut. Those are the kind of wrestlers I'm into. The model slams Bob's head into a turnbuckle, tries to lift him up over the ropes, but can't quite get him over. Martel then goes for a vertical suplex, but Backlund reverses to set Rick up on the top rope before delivering a big right hand to knock him off onto the floor. And the model, Rick Martel. Let's go, Bobby! Bob goes after Yoko with multiple drop kicks. Charges in, but Yokozuna just tosses him over and to the floor. <sighs> Bob Backlund is eliminated, but he would set the new longevity record at one hour, one minute, and ten seconds. Oh, for some reason I thought Rick did like an hour three last time. He did just under oh. an hour. Oh, okay. 59, 59.30? Not yeah. too bad for uh, somebody making their return match after <laughs> ten, 10 plus years. Plus years, yeah. So Savage and Yokozuna are our final two. I would have liked to be in that meeting with uh, Vince and Backlund after all these years. <laughs> I think that would have been one of the like potentially like smoothest, but kind of interesting. We're going to give you a minute to calm down, you know, take a breather. We're going to have this big-ass giant dude come down there and stop the show for about five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, you can go after you get slammed on the ground. Just hang out for a little bit. We'll get you. Yoko's destroying Macho Man until Savage begins to fire up with left jabs, big overhands, multiple clotheslines, and goes up top for several double axe handles that knocks Yokozuna down to a knee. (sighs) My gosh. This is the first time anyone had ever done that. I know. I'm loving Macho Man here, but I always love Macho Man. Yoko recovers to deliver a thrust kick into a charging Macho, hits a belly-to-belly suplex, a leg drop, and charges into the corner with a butt splash. Goes for a second, but Savage moves, and Yokozuna falls to the mat with the impact. Oh my, oh my god. god, he's off both feet! <sighs> Crazy. Macho goes up top again, delivering the Savage elbow drop, but goes for a cover which doesn't really work in this kind of match, 
and Yoko powers out, sending Macho Man over the ropes and to the floor. Damn it, Randy! That was really stupid of you. That's my dad. He got he got his ass, he got his ass beat. He didn't know where he was. Your dad did something stupid. I know. So Yokozuna is the winner of the Royal Rumble, and he's headed to WrestleMania Nine. Uh, Macho is king. That's all. That's all. I just gotta say it. Yokozuna is also the record holder now with eight eliminations in one Ooh. rumble. Who was it before? Do you know? You don't have I to look it, it up. Was, I'm just curious. I believe it was Hogan. Yeah, with six or something. Yeah. Seven. Post-match, Caesar and Cleopatra come back out, and they lead Yoko to Las Vegas. Gorilla then sends it to highlights from the evening as he says his goodbyes, and it shows highlights from the entire yeah, evening. Yeah, some still shots and some funk guitar. Until the very last shot, where we see Bret Hart yelling at Yoko in the back before the screen goes to black. Bum, the bum, damn Love that... Macho's performance, love that he. I think that the finish was good. I don't know if you how you guys feel about that. I think that it was good. Macho's just kind of delirious. He's on the other guys on the Yoko's on the ground. Goes to pin him, gets pushed off. Macho Man doesn't take the biggest L here. Like it's like oh, no, he was helping put over the new talent. Yeah, while, while also not you know, looking like looking a like a, in the process. Yeah. But granted, getting thrown over is. Nobody really looks like a complete geek when they get tossed over. When there's a bunch of stuff going on and somebody pulls a rope down. It's like Royal Rumble is kind of a safe place to get eliminated. Yeah. As long as you get an actual chance to do anything in the match as opposed to run in and get kicked out. When you have a dude that size up against somebody Savage's size, him kicking out and the force of that pushing mm-hmm. and like up in the air and over the rope. And it, it actually looks. looked really good. Like not all We've seen people that spot... Not necessarily in Royal Rumbles, but just in wrestling matches all the time. And this was one of the like cleaner ones because doesn't always he actually, doesn't always he actually makes it all, all the way, way over. over yeah, and it mm-hmm. it doesn't always look good. Sometimes it looks yeah. too Usually you know you can see too them jumping in the process, too phony. Sometimes yeah. it looks too sloppy. Most of the time it's both. And this one was like really clean. And Macho was really selling the fact that he took a beating. So him doing the pin even makes sense. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of the Royal Rumble 1993? It's a good show. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, no, it was just as easy to watch now as it was back then. I didn't realize how many old classic people were in this match until there was a section where it was like, oh, there's Ric Flair, there's Bob Backlund, there's Jerry Lawler, Million Dollar Man, and and everybody's front of everybody's mind. Carlos Colon. Oh, yeah. That one was like... Jinjiro Tenru. Yeah, yeah. Like Tenru, Cologne. Like there were some people here who was like head scratching. Kind of like interested and excited. Technically Backlund was kind of a head scratcher. That was, the, yeah. that was honestly the biggest one. But then those other guys were like, all right. But Backlund, I also... Kind of proves himself. It, it was new, but it was fun. Fun just like him starting with Ric Flair made a lot of sense. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. And then bringing him back just because... Or not just because... Then bringing him back and him not being one of the, you know, big jacked up dudes, which I know they're in the process of moving away from all the big jacked up dudes because of the whole steroid scandal thing going on. But having them bring somebody from the past who is older isn't in that, you know, monster condition. But he does look great. Oh, he looks looks phenomenal. I mean, 
He doesn't look the same age as me. There, if I could look like that right now, I'd. I would. I would love that as well. The uh, (laughs) he, like, if you see him younger, he's like a little bit more. He's more cut, more defined, but it's he's yeah, he's kept in really good shape. Considering most guys, when they stop wrestling for that amount of time, don't really don't normally look all that great afterwards. Have you guys seen Lex Luger these days? I mean, he, he looks at himself quite a bit. <laughs> at least, I mean, at least Lex Luger is uh, a thin. He didn't blow up or anything, but... Yeah, he, he broke down. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the two title matches are very, very good. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great. But everything else on the show was a little lackluster. Yeah, I can see that. The yeah. booking in the Rumble was boring in a lot of spots. Agreed. Because, like, literally... It like, drags like, like, I, like I mentioned right before The Undertaker came out. Like, who in the ring had a chance at winning this thing? For sure. There was no one in there. And I feel like they probably should have almost made perfect... They should have switched perfect in Backlund. Mm-hmm. Had that would be great. Be the, the, had the longevity, built him up, be in the Final Four. You don't have to give him the win. Yeah. You can have Backlund go 30 minutes and, you know, knock a couple guys out. Although it would have been fucking awesome if they put Mr. Perfect in the main event of WrestleMania. I mean, that would have been awesome, but... <laughs> then he would have gotten his goddamn poster! I know he's in one. He's in a poster somewhere, sometime. Just a half a face. But because of all that, this makes it, it makes this show really just an average show. But the crowd did stay pretty hot. They did. Other than the couple of times when people that they just had no clue who they were. The two title came. matches are uh, fucking wonderful. They're, Absolutely. They're, they're fucking, they're so good that, you know, you should just watch the whole show and enjoy those while you're at it. Because the tag match is good. I think the tag match is really good place yeah. to start with the Steiners. Not the Steiners in whole, but in WWF, like... Pretty good, pretty solid. I think really good first pay per view showing for the Steiners. Best we're ever gonna get out of the Beverlies that we'll probably ever watch. Bam Bam Boss Man. It's only ten minutes, so there's that. So there's that. that. (laughs) I'm not the biggest Boss Man fan. No, same. And then, like you said, the it drags. Just it's just the amount of the people that are in there at the same time. Sometimes is just as big as a head scratcher I mean, as Carlos Colon. Even if we were just to look at the thirty men that were like, if you look at, there's only like four, maybe five guys that you would even go, oh, oh they yeah. have a chance at winning. Yeah, everyone else, it's it's very heavy on tag team wrestlers and skinners, lower mid card guys. Yeah, everybody getting their final appearance. Yeah, as much as I love, you know, Rick Martel. Rick Martel's not winning the Royal Rumble. Not happening. Oh, but he was so close to being almost the champion at one point. Him and Tito both. Damn it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that Brett ended up with it, but it's another one of those what could have been, what would have happened had Tito had a run or Rick had a run instead of... I mean, at this point, nobody's had a run. True. <laughs> like, back then, it was the last person that probably had a run outside of Hulk Hogan that you could legitimately call, like, a run as opposed to, like having a cup of coffee with it while Hogan, you know, went and made, like, Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. 
It's time we smark it up. What are some of the best moments of the show? The limb work between Brett and Razor. That match was the best match on the show and one of my, I feel like one of my favorite uh, WWF matches we've watched in a while, maybe. I don't know. What was the last bit one we raved about? The last what? WWF match we kind of like all agreed on. versus Piper. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. Flair and Warrior. Yeah. And this. Flair and Savage, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. This is a better wrestling match than all those as far as like wrestling goes. But that's because Bret Hart's pulling the strings and Razor Ramon is quick to react to them. The show, that match is fucking awesome. I mean, I got Big my, fan. I got my, my matchup on a, a pay-per-view between the Rockers, finally. And I and r- really like that. I was scared because I remember you not, you kind of poo-pooing on it a little bit. Well, it's just because it... Took so long to yeah, happen. It's just I mean, not the right time. What's his nuts got in trouble for all those months, so, you know, it took it's a him much out better of name, That's a much better name than Marty Jannetty. What is his nuts? <laughs> what's his nuts? <laughs> yeah. Don't touch his nuts, though, because he might kill you in an alley somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. That match I was good, though. I liked them. it a lot. Well, no, I liked it. That's why, I mean, it was one of my best. It, it took forever for it to get there, but I was happy I finally got to see them on a pay-per-view, you know, doing the the send-off of the Rockers. It's a shame we didn't get, like, the, the full blow-off, like, gimmick match, cage match. I don't know if they would ever get a cage match. Maybe. Uh, the, I don't remember the last time we saw a cage in the WWF. The glimmer of hope for that little bit with Mr. Perfect and the Rumble. Just because you saw something, or at least I saw something in him I hadn't saw in a while. Just the the look in his eyes, the the fire was there, even though it wasn't really going to go anywhere, but he has his moments later on. Yeah, um, he's, it's not like, uh, he's not like Muda, where it's like, yeah, you fucked me, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to play with my friends, where I can actually, you know, Win. Yeah, where I can, where, where I can, where I'll be appreciated. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Perfect doesn't have a, a thing to, a place to go for that, which is a big bummer. Sherry getting her slaps in on Sean, whether it be with her hand or with the shoe, it was good to see her get her, get a little bit of something, or give a little bit of something in return. Finally, outside of the ring, Sherry uh, is the best performance of the show. Mm. Granted, the only other, it's like you know, Gorilla and. Bobby and whatnot, but Sherry's like always killing it. But here, it just seems like she's some somebody give this lady a Tony or whatever whatever award is for television performances. Slammy, a slam, yeah. a slammy. How about most disappointing? Narcissus, the narcissist's promo. Yes. If it was just shorter, <laughs> I'd be like, fine, Lex Luger's here. We can do something with Lex Luger. And actually, you just said Bobby is usually one of your best performers. Because of this promo, I'd say Bobby is not anywhere close yeah. to best performer. Bobby is my show. most surprising because of what they had him do. Because I'm like, that promo is just so long and just so uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch. Like, you throw Vicky Guerrero out there and it would have made perfect sense. But yeah, Bobby like I said, Sherry, if Sherry wasn't into some of the things, if, like, if Shawn Michaels... Uh, wasn't didn't have if they didn't have a place for Sherry to be at the moment like she would have fit in there. Oh, it would have been perfect. You know, granted that would have been her third. I'm goo goo, or I guess yeah. technically fourth because she was somewhat goo goo eyes over Savage. Wrestling's she not was goo goo eyes kind over to women. Million uh, dollar man, and then Sean. I guess there was the model in there too for a short little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, that's her out, kind of basically. the kind of the game. Anything else disappointing? I mean, oh, I'm good. A lot of the oh, lineup show, show of the Rumble. Solid. All, all, the lo- all the lower mid card guys. I mean, yeah, because we literally the mentioned parts of the Rumble is the we literally card. mentioned two or three guys that were not on the show, like like Crush. I mean, I know you guys are not hate are hating on Doink, but I'm uh, like Doink, Doink should have been Doink would have been better than the Berserker. It would have been a fucking pleasure uh, for Doink to come in there and do something goofy, and then everybody to slam him out because everybody hates Doink. So like. You get a bunch of people, knock them all out at the same time. He does a bunch of goofy stuff. You do the, like, you know, physical comedy of everybody, like, staring him down. He backs out. Dump him over. Nice, cheap pop. Exactly. Do something where, you know, he pulls out the seltzer water. Instead of, who the hell was 29? Uh, Repo Man. Repo Man. Instead of Repo Man, have, you know, Doink come out and, you know, push a button and something falls from above the ring. You know, a net or... Water balloons I mean, or something that I would have laughed my ass off and would have been better than ninety percent of the show. Yeah, but then you had that damn crowd that stayed hot the entire time that made you think that you were missing out on something because it sounded like it was something enjoyable. <laughs> They're having a good time. They don't be, <laughs> but WWF doesn't Royal Rumble doesn't come to Sacramento probably ever again. It's uh, a crowd that doesn't get big wrestling all the time. How about best performer? I gotta give it to old Backlund. For being gone for as many years as he was and coming back and pulling over an hour, dude. I'm a big, big, big back fan, but uh, Bret Hart, I know he laid that match out in a rule. See, I'm going to go with Macho. I feel like Macho's up there too. Literally in his like five minutes that he's in the ring. Oh, he stole the fucking show. He made the the rest of that, the dull parts. They just flew out of my mind. The Royal Rumble for me was like sitting around like worst ever. Macho comes out and, and then saves Macho the whole comes show. and saves it saves by the whole match. at least putting Yoko over with a really cool ending. Great performance, Macho. It's it's fucking Macho man. He can like like nobody else. He can squeeze fucking gold from a stone. <laughs> uh, like Bobby couldn't do it, unfortunately here. But normally he can. Macho, it, it, up up till now he's done it a hundred percent of the time, and uh, here. He had a harder job than some of the other ones. This isn't Ric Flair. This is Yokozuna after, like, you know, we're an hour into a slog of a rumble. And Macho comes in there and just, like, shoots crack cocaine into everybody's arm. How about most surprising? I mean, you mentioned something a minute ago. The Bobby... What they did the, with, oh, Bobby, with Bobby oh. just totally changing everything about him for this one character that nobody cares about. Yeah, for me, it's the Backlund thing. Surprise, and then I never expected him to go that long. So all said and done, I was just like, didn't expect to see him, didn't expect to see him for an hour. It probably shouldn't have surprised me, but literally after, like, while I'm taking my notes, I'm like, someone gets eliminated, I'm like, Okay, cool. And then I'm like, oh, this doing my research. Like, literally every other person on this show is their last time for quite some time in a WWF ring, if not their last time. At, yeah, it's crazy. I was just like, who's left of the of the pr- promotion? I'd like to see the, the, like, paid list, you know, who's on payroll after this show. For real. It just completely, like, shocked me yeah i mean i i should know because the whole 
steroid thing is that's that's what's causing a lot of this is yeah. that they're cleaning house. I know, and I'm over here trying to Google so we can all start taking IcoPro together. <laughs> but turns out there's no uh, there's no aftermarket you know twenty year old IcoPro for right. us to purchase. If any of you have a time capsule that you happen to have, put a, a... IcoPro in. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're trying to get get ripped over here. Ninety style man. <laughs> Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh my god. This week, the category is Music of the Mat. It's my music. Break it down. Oh my gosh. So, Hmm. we're going to Cobb County, Georgia. Maybe. I don't it's know. It's always about Cobb County, Georgia. So, <laughs> the song is just so catchy. I like them. There's so many of the songs that I like. But I'm going to play a song. And I, we, I just shit all over Boss Man. And whoever rings in and answers it. Oh, my gosh. Do you know smart buttons? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody <laughs> deserves to hear that through the microphone again. <laughs> we'll score three points. Sweet. I'm so nervous. So if you get it wrong, does that mean that the other person automatically gets the points? No, they still have to answer it correctly. But again, but you only get one, get one guess. Cat. Oh, it's a uh, Shawn Michaels. Well, absolutely, that's right, Michael. <laughs> Three points for you, sir, uh, which gives you eight, and Shane has seven. Uh, so Michael bum, pulls bum. back out in the lead again. I can't believe you picked that song. I can't either. Random generator. Oh, you're guys. okay. You are like random you are doing generator. random generator, yeah. Because yeah. like, it makes I, sense. I, it makes I sense. Guys, I love the. I told putting... you guys some of these are gonna be super easy. Yeah. Some of them are gonna be a little bit harder. I know. I get so nervous. I didn't fully understand the question. <laughs> 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 we're bad participants, and we we're sorry. Next week, Super Brawl Three. Shane's first show from North Carolina. Oh shit, we're going to North Carolina? Yeah, go on and raise up, take your shirt oh, off, spin like, around your head like a helicopter. Searching for stuff from Georgia forever and ever and ever. It's going to feel weird to go to a WCW show that's North Carolina? not in Georgia. Um, like the mustard barbecue. I don't know, that's the only thing I... Boiled peanuts? You guys ever had boiled peanuts? That's Georgia. That's Georgia too. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, they're the same place, but... Uh, yeah, I've been to North Carolina a few times. I have family that lives there. So yeah. I've eaten the, they do the more vinegar, mustardy barbecue. So that's a thing. Let's see. North Carolina. Pulled pork with vinegar barbecue sauce is what it says. The sandwich is. If you want, I can just throw that, cook that up here myself and take Actually, take it off of your shoulders. My cousin lives in North that's Carolina. Easy. I might have to hit her up and say, hey, what the what's, hell should I make? What's the barbecue sauce? Like, what's the one that they use? We'll uh, order it in. So the music from this week's show is the theme music from the Royal Rumble. And Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble, so we'll play his theme music called Sumo by Jim Johnston. His song's cool, too. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And you can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, recipes. Recipes. Again, we're going to North Carolina. Let me know what I should make, whether it be food or beverage. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. 
X. Well, that's too, that's way too sexy. <laughs> that's way too sexy. <laughs> I'm not your boy, Toy. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Laters. <laughs>